What, they think we got three Rod Brandemores or what? I think I started lifting real lightweights when I was like 12. Now listening to the Rod the Podcast with your hosts Jordan Betts and Mike Men. All right, Michael, we're going to be a little off the cuff tonight. It's uh, Wednesday, March first. Uh, you know, day and a half before the NHL trade deadline this upcoming Friday. Man, it's been an absolute whirlwind. Um, literally moments ago, Jacob Chikrin was traded to the Ottawa Senators. Um, Canes have made some, you know, what I would describe more bottom line up tertiary moves uh, today. Man, it, it's, you know, the Metro, the East especially, is just completely loading up. Um, we got a full episode. Um, lots to talk about, a lot of movement. Uh, we'll talk Canes moves. We'll talk Canes lineup. Uh, as it currently stands, uh, go through any potential um, cap space and moves that are now available with that cap space. Uh, and just, hey, where the Canes rank right now in the Eastern hierarchy and what can we expect moving forward? Um, turn it over to you and just ask, how are you doing right now? I'm pretty good. Uh, it's been probably the most eventful lead up to a trade deadline in a long time we've seen more trades um in the two weeks leading up to the trade deadline than we have in a long long time it's been super entertaining for us it's also allowed you to look at some of the different values for players and it's been kind of surprising i mean you you talked about the chicken deal earlier the only difference between the chicken deal and the heronic deal is a second round pick so detroit trades heronic to vancouver for a first and a second from Vancouver, a bad team. Meanwhile, Arizona, who's been holding out on and had to have received a better offer down the road, gets a first, a second, and a second for a guy that's definitely has a higher ceiling than Heronic. It's just, it makes you laugh sometimes. And, and that doesn't even get into uh, Tampa Bay trading the absolute farm to Nashville for uh, Tanner Janot. I mean, it's just yeah. people around the league laughing at that one. Um Lots, a lot's happened, and, and so unfortunately, not as much has happened here, maybe in Kane's land, as people had hoped or expected. Um, contrary to prior seasons when Carolina was playoff bound, and you know, ultimately they did win the division. Looks like they very, very well may do that again this year. Um, Don didn't sit on his hands. I mean, there, there were moves. Um, a move that seems like it's been year in the making, years in the making. Uh, Jesse Pugliarvi. I know that's not the correct pronunciation, but that's like the Americanized version. Um, so just give me the benefit of the doubt there. We're yeah. good with that. <laughs> um, Kane's traded uh, for Puyarvi, uh, sent a former third round pick uh, in Pistula to Edmonton, which really just kind of seems like a, hey, restart um, for for Puyarvi, Edmonton. It, it just wasn't going to happen there. Um, any thoughts on that trade specifically? Realistically, it's a win-win for both teams. Edmonton had kind of been out on on 
Puyuyarvi. Oh, is that an extra, extra little syllable there? Yeah, it is Finnish. Yes, say. Puyuyarvi. Anyways, um, yeah, they'd been out on him. Show off. It hadn't gone. <laughs> I practiced. It hadn't been um, going well for him in Edmonton. The writing was on the wall. It's been a player that the Canes have been trying to acquire, like you alluded to, for a while now. Don played the waiting game originally. And, and I'm sure the price has only gone the down. The original down, down. ask, I think, was a first-round pick or something along those lines. And to end up only giving away Patrick Pistola, who is a borderline NHL-caliber prospect, his the likelihood of getting to the NHL isn't very high, but if he does, he's looking to be a bottom six player. You can live with giving that away all day. That's money in the bank. Puyu Yarvi, which is hard to say and annoying, but we'll we'll do it out of respect. He's a guy that fits the Rob Renamore style, right? Good skater, big frame, four checks hard, doesn't have the finishing touch, aka the perfect Canes player. Ironic that all the finished players are kind of the same. Yeah. Like pass first playmakers that are not finishers. They're taught to be all around players. Now in, he did in, make magic Finland. at that world juniors uh, with Patrick line and Sebastian Ajo. Maybe uh, I don't anticipate him playing up in the lineup with Ajo at, at any point soon, at least as he gets acclimated and he's likely destined to be a fourth liner here. Um, but if given the opportunity, I, I'd like to see if they can rekindle that uh, to me. And this is, you know, applies to the second trade the Canes have made. Um, I think the bigger thing is no salary retained. And of course, Edmonton was was not going to do that. They're a contender. I thought there was an opportunity to maybe do that with um, the other trade uh, in Shane Gossespierre heading to Raleigh uh, for a 2026 20, third rounder. So basically free, uh, but no salary retained on that deal either, uh, which leaves Carolina right now with 2.6, just over 2.6. A million in cap space to play with. Um, they could also move out Dylan Coglin uh, and create an additional 700 plus K, uh, which would get them a little over 3.3 million. Um, there's always the opportunity that someone could also be a third party broker. So I don't think we're necessarily done uh, in the, I don't know, 40 ish hours before the deadline. Um, please, no one fact check that math. <laughs> yeah, I got no help for you. It's close though. Um, any thoughts on the Goss Despair trade? Um, offense first defenseman has struggled and been a bit of a defensive liability throughout his career, but maybe can be a power play specialist to the point where, you know, maybe Brady Shea and Brett Pesci aren't guys you want uh, leading the man advantage. Yeah, I mean, this will certainly take Pesci and Shea out of the mix ultimately on the power play. Love those guys. Great defenders, not elite power play quarterbacks. This just is what it is. Gossip Bear is a guy that's good at moving the puck on the power play. He's got a wicked shot, especially for a defenseman. You're going to be able to rotate two guys at power play quarterback in Burns and in Gossip Bear that both have big shots. You can start to establish an identity of whether it's shooting from the point and getting tips or whether it's utilizing that shot to open up passing lanes. Whatever it may be, it's going to create a more uniform power play across the board. Definitely an upgrade. Um, I think two of the guys, right, to jump back to the previous trade, um, I'm gonna, we're going to call him JP to save us some time. Thank you, I appreciate that. Um, I, it's a guy that's 
going to essentially try out to be Jesper Foss's replacement next year. It's very likely that Jesper is going to hit the market because there is going to definitely be interest in him around the league, and it'll probably price him out of a third-line role with the Hurricanes. You're getting your guy in early. He can help you currently in a fourth-line role. And then you bring in a guy that's playing for his next contract in Gostas Bear, who's on his last year. He's somebody that's been successful as an offensive defenseman. If you can protect him defensively with Chatfield staying home with more offensive starts as opposed to defensive zone starts, I think they're both trades that definitely help the team now don't leverage the future and still leave you with enough cap space to go make a dangerous ad if they decide the price is right. You know, and we can we're going to get this and get to this in the end when we kind of talk where the canes stack within the eastern hierarchy. But you know, the, these are low cost, high upside moves. Um, truth be told, I, I don't see neither, either making a super valuable impact, but at cost, kind of no brainers, right? Talented guys that you know could exceed definitely my expectations uh, and be impactful. I, I think when you look, uh, especially at JP, you got to. The physicality kind of stands out to me, even if he's not a huge banger. He does have the there's the frame, right? The Canes are kind of considered a small uh, finesse team, so just to throw out guys with the you know least presence to be physical, I think is really important. Um, kind of moving forward, if you, unless you have any thoughts on those trades specifically, uh, Mike, tell me where you kind of envision these guys slotting in, both kind of from day one and maybe where their roles shift. Uh, as they become more comfortable here in Raleigh? Well, I think that with Gossesberry, he's going to be the guy that is going to compete with DeHaan. You don't acquire an offensive defenseman like that without the intention of bringing him in to help revitalize your power play, which is in the 20th area of Especially the Especially at $4 million plus per. Yeah, so you're not bringing him in to sit on the bench and watch. He's not a guy you bring in when somebody gets injured because he's a defenseman that can cover. DeHaan is a guy where if you have an injury, he's going to be able to be a serviceable defenseman. He's not going to give you much else outside of that, but that's totally fine. Gossespierre is a guy you're bringing in to be a, a difference maker, even if it is only marginal. And even if it is only on the power play, that is a little piece that could take you over the edge in terms of winning a series. I think that's a a great point because when we talk about playoff hockey, you know, we we can talk about how the Canes have played and and we've had critiques with that just from how they're built and that's translating um, from the regular season into the postseason. You know, I made the comment to you the other day when I was venting that, hey, all these teams are loading up. Carolina's done nothing. But, you know, upon reflection there, I mean, I think I called them the early 2000s Oakland A's. I think a more apt comparison is probably the Tampa Bay Rays, who in the, for baseball fans out there, in the AL East, which is the most high budget uh, division, the whole league in a non cap sport, uh, the Rays, the second or first or second smallest market team in the entire league, budget wise, competes, makes the playoffs, went to the World Series a few years ago. Carolina is more of that. I mean, forward thinking and kind of innovative. So there's, it's not all doom and gloom here, right? I mean, it's still a, I mean, crap, um, 32 thoughts. Um, Friedman and, and Merrick uh, the other day talked about how this company become a, a pinnacle organization within the entire league. That 
is been built primarily on regular season performance. Now we shouldn't discard that and act like it doesn't matter. Winning division titles is, is important. Getting to the dance uh, is extremely valuable. I think where um, I've kind of gotten to, and not so much from like a doom and gloom standpoint is, are these the types of moves that set it over the edge? And, and to go back to your point and talking about God's despair, we understand in these playoff series that, hey, looking back to last year's, regardless of how game seven played out, that's a seven game series that ultimately gets you eliminated. Could things have happened in the first six games by having a more potent power play, which he could potentially bring in or add to, to change the series? And so maybe these seem like kind of nominal moves, but when we're talking about a team that's performing at such a high level already, you know, second best record in the league, you know, leading the Metro, all those things. I think it can happen in the margins and on the periphery where him improving your power play from, you know, let's just make the math and say 20% to 25%. Well, that's one or two more goals a series uh, that can put the Canes forward instead of being sent home. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think that Another thing that we have to take into account from especially like last year to this year, just to kind of touch on the playoffs and everything along those lines, is that when you look at the lineup, I think a big part of the Kane strategy too is getting guys, getting them there, getting them accustomed to the playoffs and building that playoff performance. We won't know who takes the next step in the playoffs until the playoffs, right? right. So you look at a lineup and Number one, I think the team has become harder to play against this year. I think the addition of Brent Burns is an upgrade to a D'Angelo. I think that his presence in the playoffs will be larger than what Dougie's were previously. So I think defensively you've become a harder team. Chatfield has really impressed me this year and is a guy that seems to have that playoff edge, who's a guy that brings it every night. So you look at the defense – and then you're going down the middle, Aho. KK has really started to come on as of late. His defensive side of the game has been phenomenal. His offensive game is starting to click. And then you follow that with Stahl and Stasny. And then you have Stepan maybe as that next guy in. The depth and the difficulty to play against this team is harder than last year. You have Natchez, who's shooting from Ovi's office now all of a sudden. Svetch can get hot whenever. Jarvis has a year under his belt and, and seems to be recently, yeah. and seems to be coming out of the sophomore slump. All these little things can fall into place at the right time, which is the end of the season, not right now. So, do I think there should be another addition for a goal scorer? Absolutely, no doubt about it. But then you're just then you're looking at a lineup that's really you could add some guys we'll talk about later and turn your lineup into a lineup that's better than a lineup that adds Tarasenko and Kane just because sure. they're flashy. And, and, you know, we, we've talked about this window being kind of through the 22 or 23, 24 season when a number of contracts toll and guys are free agents. Um, but, and people are going, you got to make impact ads. And, you know, I, I've been that person on here too. Um, the point you're making is you can only prove yourself in the playoffs. Canes still have one of the younger cores in the league. Um, sometimes it just takes growth. Like we haven't seen Svetch be great in the playoffs. No. Well, I mean, at 22 years old, it could click, right? And 
sports history is littered with performers that couldn't get it done in the big moment, couldn't win a title, Peyton Manning, until you win a title, right? Yeah. Like until it happens. And unfortunately, we talk small sample size in the playoffs because that's what they are. And so to be hot or cold over a five to 20 plus game span is, is not that crazy. Um, we, we almost saw the, the Hurricanes lose a, you know, Stanley Cup in 06 because the one guy just caught fire and was never heard of again. I'm blanking on his name. Starts with a P. Um, but to me, I think above the, you know, shiny new toy, um, how the kind of Rangers have gone about this deadline um, to their, their own benefit. And I would be thrilled if I was a Rangers fan right now. I think they're exceptionally potent and could very easily come out of the East. But to me, it's going to be another test of can one through 12, which I think Carolina probably is the deepest in the entire league. And you can argue one through 13 or even 14. Um, can one through 14 overwhelm teams with the bottom of the lineup, the top six hold serve and you just kind of overwhelm people. It's four lines rolling, uh, heavy four check speed, uh, and that can win you a series too. So to me, it's who can kind of um, influence the opponent uh, with their game style. And then on the back end, uh, you touched on Burns. And, and Goss Despair is not this guy. You know, he's 5'11", but touched on Burns. I think the presence, you know, 1 through 18 on your skaters is just a little bit more big and physical. And, and I think that's a good thing, even if we're not talking super much, like guys that are bangers. Um, I like where this team is positioned. I, I think we haven't even touched on it yet. Maybe the biggest question mark is goalie performance and health. You know, sure. and to me, if you get adequate goaltending, what we got from Antiranta last postseason, I think this team can still make an Eastern Conference final. Yeah, I would agree. I think if any of your goalies get hot, I'm not as concerned about injury because I really do think that Anderson, Ranta, and Kochekov could all come in. I mean, we saw the stretch of games Kochekov had earlier in the season where he was our best goalie. So you look at what you have there, and the likelihood of one of them getting hot is pretty high in my opinion. So I'm less concerned about that than I was in the past. And to kind of go back to your point where talking about like the additions at, of – Tarasenko and Kane for a New York Rangers I kind of look at it like if you relate hockey to finance right and you talk about the principle of keeping up with the Joneses you can be the the franchise that spends and spends and spends and you might be like on the Joneses caliber for like a little while of time but eventually those are the people that fall into poverty because they've overextended their means and there is the the savvy investor that who might be kind of sneaking under the radar for a while, but eventually either passes them or stays at their level. If we're talking about a super competitive team for an extended period of time for the rest of their future. And when I look at it, I look at a team like Toronto that is basically reassembled a lineup outside of their big names and you're talking about trying to find chemistry and trying to find this and that. And you're talking about a GM that's looking for a new contract. And you look at all of that and it and it creates this weird feeling. And you look at New York and they get Patrick Kane for basically nothing and they add Tarasenko. But there's always a negative side. And to me, the teams that like scare me a little bit more in that 
frame of mind is like a New Jersey who went out, added a Timo Meyer. I was very underwhelmed by the return they got for Meyer. I don't Oof. think we, we might have to have to, we might have to have the conversation. Is is Mike Greer good at this? Yeah, I, I mean that was to me. I was I was personally pretty shocked by the return. They are making a huge bet that Shakir Mukamadulin or however you pronounce his name is going to become a legit top four defenseman. And right now that doesn't look like the reality. So you're kind of banking on that. And it, it kind of surprised me because I would have believed that the Canes had offered Moro a first and a second. And instead they went with a lot of nothing and some picks. Yeah, I mean, we, we can talk a little further about the, the deadline. Um, by the way, I love the little uh, allusion to our, yeah, allusion to like Breckshire Hathaway versus uh, Ark Innovation, you know, sure. Kathy Wood versus Warren Buffett on like stylistically yeah. what you want to be and how, um, you know, Warren Buffett continues just to outperform. Mm -hmm. Uh, doesn't doesn't do the like trends. Ninety three yep, or whatever. Incredible. Whatever. Um, but you know, that's kind of you know it relates to how Carolina has almost done things from a slow and steady wins the race. But yeah, I mean, in, in that example, with where I thought the uh, Timo Meyer what I thought it was going to be, I thought New Jersey New Jersey was going to be that team. It's like. Hey, you're having an unexpected year, a, probably a year ahead of time. I thought they were going to mortgage the future. And to me, that's just not a bet you should make this early in the cycle. Based on what they gave up, I, I think it was a terrific move for them. Now, um, you know, Greer probably should have bled a lot more. They didn't. I think a really peculiar thing about this deadline, though, is the names. So now that Chickren's been traded and Meyer, the, the big names really haven't landed the huge deals we thought, but then we've had some secondary and tertiary guys get incredible, you know, bring back incredible returns. Uh, I think the only name brand guy that's gotten a turn return that exceeded my expectation uh, was O'Reilly. Uh, everyone else has kind of been, yeah. you know, either status quo or lesser. Yeah. It's, it's been really, it's been really odd to see some of the returns. I was expecting the Meyer deal to be include Holtz and, one of their big three defensemen. I thought there was going to be a lot more there. And at the end of the day, they chose the uh, offer they thought was the best, and I think that they likely made a mistake. And only time will tell. We can't – we're sitting here playing – the back chair GM. Well, we we, don't, we also it. don't know the organizational dynamics. Uh, it's rumored that when he interviewed for that job, that ownership did not want a prolonged rebuild. Well, it seems like he's trying to do it kind of half measured by bringing in a prospect that might be close, still getting first. It, it just doesn't really add up to me as a cohesive strategy. Um, but before we kind of jump in to, um, cause I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Um, where do you have, let's get back to the, where we slot the Canes lineup. I think this will be immensely brief. Uh, and then we'll talk about some players. Then we'll finish up with the you know sure. trade deadline and Eastern conference hierarchy stuff. Um, JP, you, you see him slotting on the fourth line to start. Do you think there's any sort of uh blendomatic type deal from Roddy? No, I think he definitely starts on the fourth line. Rod is not a fan of, of messing up chemistry. The top two lines are going right now. Marty Stahl-Foss has been going forever. Um, I think you'll see him slide in 
and really learn the system. I think down the road, if things stagnate and he's comfortable in the system, maybe. But you have to think back to guys like most recently, like KK. When KK came in, it took him a while to learn the system. I think we have to expect the same for JP. We'll see where things go, but I definitely see him as a fourth line. We've heard Rod talk about how it is difficult to transition into an organization, into a lineup. Uh, that's important to be, you know, cognizant of as fans. And, you know, these are human beings. It's, it's a hard thing to do. It's like expecting you to come in day one of a new job and, yep. and you know, perform at 100. It, yep. It's impossible. You're still learning the ropes and getting comfortable uh, with your surroundings. Um, before we go into kind of the next segment, I, I do want to give you, you know, kudos for pointing out how well KK has played. I think that's recently, I think that's gone under the radar a little bit after the slow start. And, and maybe that is why, uh, we've seen Don not chase the shiny, expensive center uh, or another scorers because the chemistry right now, to your point, is really flowing. Yeah, absolutely. And we had talked about adding a second line center, and it's not to say that that can't still happen, but I think the way the team's running right now, I think the cheaper option, number one, centers are always going to be more expensive. Getting a, a good scoring winger, is just I think that's just the cherry on top, honestly, at this point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you don't want to mess with chemistry. You don't want to really shake things up to the extent where you're finding a new identity. It's not hard when you're in New York and you're adding a Patrick Kane who's already played with a Panera and who's already won a Stanley Cup. But when you're bringing in guys on totally, the margins, yeah. it's, then it's it, it definitely becomes a little bit tougher. So um, I think this will be a pretty fun segment. We get to once again, you know, try and act like we're done or something and, and kind of prognosticate on what potential moves the, the Canes could make here the, the next few hours before the deadline. Um, we'll do this before we maybe get to a more sour note on how we feel the team uh, has been, because this has been more positive than I expected it to be when we got on here, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I think sometimes... You anticipate what you're going to say, but then when you get to hind, behind the mics and, and the points start going back and forth, you, you kind of it's weird even for us to conceptualize you yeah. know, in the moment. And so um, I I'm feeling better about this. I hope you guys are. Um, so, Mike, you just uh, alluded to it. What or who would be your number one ad uh, with the remaining two point six million up to three point three? And remember that means the Canes can add, you know, multiply those numbers by two. They can add players below that benchmark, assuming the trade or a third-party broker team uh, facilitates some salary retainment up to 50%. Yeah, I mean, for me, if we're talking about what I think the most realistic trade would be, and it's a player that we've already been linked with, I think Toffoli out of Calgary would be really high up there for me. He's got 425 remaining on his uh, contract through 2024, a goal scorer, a guy that you could immediately plug into your power play, a guy that you can plug into your top six. And I think that would be a huge missing piece. Um, There's a lot of names up there. I don't want to talk on all of them. If you have one, no, yeah, you did the work here. Um, you know, behind the curtain a little bit. Mike had to go through team by team, sorting by players making under a certain amount of money. Um, and, and so we we didn't want to go through every single one of them, but we just highlighted uh, four or five. The one that stood out to me, um, and he's not a true scorer, but it's a guy that has a ring, 
uh, has been a thorn in the cane side for a number of years. I'm sure some of some of you would be upset about it, but to me, it's the absolute best move Carolina could make, uh, especially considering uh, how our counterparts parts within the division have loaded up on high skill players. And to me, the easiest, best ad Carolina could make, they've subtly been linked to him, Tom Wilson. I mean, Canes are soft. Canes, Canes can't play a certain way. Canes are not a playoff team. It's all regular season. That guy goes a long way to to shutting it up. And, you know, it'd be nice to roll into the playoffs with the biggest, baddest dude who can also play up in your top six if needed. Uh, to me, you can't have a better ad than him outside of some unforeseen available superstar that can pot you, you know, 30 or 40 a year. Tom Wilson's the best ad for this team. Yeah, I mean, I... Like I said on the last pod, I hate Tom Wilson and I will You're not alone. I will only like Tom Wilson while he wears a cane sweater it's, and it's I that will, asshole friend who's your friend. I will begrudgingly like him while he wears a cane sweater. Yeah, I mean everybody knows that that's the kind of player that changes the feel around your team that protects a guy like Jarvis when fucking Excuse my language. When Truba, <laughs> gonna have to slap the explicit sorry, on this one. Sorry, mom. Uh, when <laughs> when Truba is coming and head hunting on people, right? Like that's not gonna be as fun when yeah, you have to answer the bell that. to exactly. Tom Wilson. And, so, and yeah. another thing to remember: he's not a pure rental. They have him for another year if they're able to swing this deal. I think the issue would be Washington is selling. I don't think they view themselves as this is like a elongated thing. This is like a mini reset. Who can we keep? Who's not going to be around? So they don't want him to go in the division because they don't want to play for some next year. Sure. Sure. Um, but to me, um, na- name your price caps, you know, within reason, especially with where the benchmarks being set right now, yeah, very comfortable paying whatever it costs, even if that is a, a late pick in the twenties in the first round, like yeah. sign me up, do it immediately. Um, Who's the next name for you? If we're going to stick to like, for me, I'm probably sticking to a scoring winger at this point. And it's really like tied between two names for me at the next, next phase. And it's probably Pavel Buchnevich, excuse me, out of St. Louis. Yeah. Buchnevich signed through 2025. And then Sam Reinhardt, Reinhardt out of Florida signed through 2024. Two guys that have a scoring touch, two guys that can instantly plug into your top six power play capable can kind of do it all pass, shoot score. So I, I like Toffoli. I like Reinhardt. I like Buchnevich. I think all of them are available. The question will be how willing is the team to part with them? We're seeing a St. Louis team that isn't like they're moving they're out players, but, type but team, yeah. is he part of their future plans at his age? I look at it to Foley and their Calgary is up in arms, shocked by how their season is going. Is that a guy that they're, Hey, let's get a quick asset. Let's move on. Let's free up some cap space. And then Reinhardt, Florida, same scenario as Calgary. Like these are teams that could be looking to recoup some assets. You know that have underachieved, achieved based on expectation and what the, how they performed last year. Yeah. Um, those are kind of the teams that you know it's decision time, right? And so another Calgary guy, um, former Canes, you know, top five draft pick, Elias Lindholm, a guy that. You know, I've been on record saying I, I was not a huge fan of and never saw this coming. Um, guys blossomed to an absolute stud and yeah. has put up great 
uh, production, terrific two-way game. We saw that when he was in Carolina. I just didn't think the point production would follow, and I kind of thought it was from playing with Gaudreau. I think we've seen that's not necessarily the case. He's just a really good uh, hockey player, and you know, I think there's some bad blood there. Um, I'm not sure that is something that's taken an account into a trade. I would not think so because I think in coming back and the opportunity to chase a cup um, would be appealing. And there obviously still has friends on the team. And if the organization that you were so upset with at one time um, goes out of their way to try and bring you back, I think that mends a lot of things. And so I, it wouldn't yeah. be a concern, concern to me at all. These guys are professionals. They understand the work and the business. But I think he's a good ad. Um, does I don't think this is the case. I mean, it shuffles up your lineup a little bit more to bring another center, but it, um, center depth is never superfluous to me. I think you can never have too many. And he's clearly would be a, a second-line center for this unit and allows you to kind of move KK up and down a little bit more of a high-road role, um, and your depth would then be great. But, yeah, I think that's on the lesser end of probability. We have heard Carolina link with Calgary. Um, I'd be shocked if it was Lindholm over to Foley. Also, are they willing to weigh that, uh, pay that price? Because sure. I think there's a significant disparity there. Yeah, Toffoli is certainly the cheaper option as opposed to Lindholm. I mean, there's good names on the board. Two other quick ones out of Detroit being both Verona and Bertuzzi. Um, Detroit was on the fence about selling in the first place. After the Heronic deal today, you might think maybe they're more open than they thought, especially after getting waxed by Ottawa two consecutive games so there are names that are available that you could bring in and Verona is like a little bit of a rehab process for his career and and Bertuzzi we we know the kind of player is he's a pest he can score he can he can kind of do it all but he's going to get under your skin and all that so definitely options out there can't say that we're limited it's no, a matter that, that of what the price it's is. more so the price and depending on the the target are they going to have you know what's the retain num the num money retained and are they going to have to bring a third party in which is going to drive cost up and you know make things a little bit more complicated but there's enough time between now and, and Friday uh, to get things done well you know we're kind of checking on Twitter throughout this episode to make sure we're not missing anything uh, but although it feels like most of the major moves have always already occurred uh, we know Don works right up into the wire, yep. um, you know, even going last year beyond the wire to bring in Max Domi, it felt like uh, after the deadline had already concluded. Uh, one note on Detroit, guy that we talked about a lot a few episodes ago, uh, congrats to them on, on signing, you know, extending their captain, uh, Dylan Larkin, yep. eight years at 8.7 AAV. Um, you know, you, you guys heard us, you know, really go to bat for him. Um, a little salty, but didn't ever think it was going to happen. Uh, that he's not here in Carolina, but good on the wings. I think that's a good deal for both sides to get yep. him under nine. Um, they're still a year away, um, but you, Stevie Y is kind of doing it right there. Yeah, I think they're going to be okay in the future. Um, locking him in, him in is a, a sign that they're closer than they probably originally anticipated. Um, yeah, happy for him. Definitely a guy you would have loved to see in Carolina. Would have been an awesome one-two punch with Aho. I think you could have done the cap gymnastics to make it work. But at the end of the day, he's he's going to end his career in Detroit, and I'm I'm sure he's probably thrilled about that. Yeah, I mean that that's fantastic, and he's a Michigan guy. Yep. Um, 
So I, I think it's now time. Uh, let, let's pivot to, well, it might be a little bit more negative on my end. I don't want to speak for you. I don't know how you view where the Canes are right now. Uh, I've painted, a, at least my perspective, a pretty rosy picture to this point. Uh, before I dive into the Canes, if we're going to talk about negatives, really low-class move. I, I know it probably had to happen with um, the you know, cap gymnastics a little bit. But how are the LA Kings going to trade Jonathan Quick? I mean, I understand they view Jonas Kuprasalo as an upgrade at this stage in Quick's career. I just think it's wrong to do that to a franchise icon who literally only has a few months left on his deal with you. Um, let's get the bad vibes going with that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the locker room didn't react well to the news either. Um, he won the game for him, and then he got traded, and... A guy like Kopitar that's played with King for, or excuse me, that's played with Quick for a long time with the Kings was not thrilled about it, and the overall sentiment in the locker room was not thrilled about it. He's been a cornerstone for that franchise for a long time, and, you know, you don't like to see things end that way. It, it It's a team that isn't contending for a cup, so I'd, I kind of don't see the point of doing it that way. Yeah, I mean, the West is open, but they're not going to be the team. If they were acquiring a guy like Chikrin that they saw as a long-term part of their team, I would maybe get it, but I don't know. I don't Cor really... Corby's not the guy. I mean, he's I not... don't think so. And uh, and Gavrikov is a rental unless they plan on re-signing him. So, yeah, I mean, not ideal. That's not how it's, we like to we, see we it We talked down. about being a business and how it can be pretty black and white, but... Some players do enough for an organization to supersede that. And to me, that that's Jonathan Quick. Um, so I'm going to go off on a little, I don't even think we call it a rant, but you know, I, I've been kind of alluding to a little bit of negativity, negativity here. And based on what Carolina has done to this point, and hey, this is all subject to change. Comparatively to where they are right now uh, with Boston, New Jersey, New York, um, Toronto, Tampa. Hey, I, I, I do think Carolina wins the Metro. Let, let's tick that box. I don't think New Jersey catches them. I think it's comical that people are talking about the Rangers catching them. I, it's not going to happen. Um, but, oof, man, I, I can't say I feel better about this team than I did two weeks ago. And they're still playing exceptional. I mean, they've lost five regular season games since the middle of no gym, or, They've lost five games in regulation since the middle of November. That's pretty damn impressive. But doesn't it just feel like more of the same? I mean, do, does it not? I mean, at some point, I keep coming back, you got to put the chips in the middle of the table, and, and they're just never going to do that. I, I've come to terms with it. I hope in a few hours I'm proven wrong, but it just doesn't feel it's like ever going to happen. And to me, you know what that equals? Another great regular season, a harder-than-it-should-be-first-round and a second round exit, and we're all going to be looking at ourselves like the Spider-Man. We, we've been here before, and it'll effectively be four years in a row of exactly that. You know, I know technically the bubble, they that was a play-in versus the Rangers, and they lost to Boston in what was officially the first round, but that will be four consecutive years where you win a playoff round and you lose in the next round. That'll be three straight years where you've won your division and done that exact same thing. It, it's kind of disheartening and this team feels capped and I already alluded to the fact that yes there could be young players emerge within this core that with enough playoff experience they make the jump but it just doesn't feel like they have the horses to do it again 
uh, and it's going to be more of the same. And I, I'm a little not dejected, but I don't know, man. I, it just feels like Canes are not going to be, you know, really in the conversation uh, once June gets here. Feels like another late May exit, and you know, unless something unforeseen happens, um, you know, I don't. Unless Igor Shosturkin is, you know, he hadn't been terrific this year. You know, if he becomes the guy, it's probably the Rangers in the East, unless, you know, Boston, I don't know. But it just feels like if you had to rank them in roster and current performance right now, Kane's five, six in the East. I mean, I think you have a pretty valid argument. Boston, who's clearly, you know, they're ahead of them. Carolina's been competitive with them, but in a seven-game series, probably Boston. I feel better about the Rangers. Now, can they defend? But can Carolina score on Sturkin? It's kind of been an issue. Um, Tampa, Carolina's never done well versus in the postseason. Toronto, not going to matter. They never get past the first round. But I'd even probably feel better about where Toronto's at from a high-end status. I mean, they've really made some moves uh, to strengthen that team. So what happened at fifth? I, hey, maybe I'll be wrong and the Devils will beat the Rangers in the first round. But I, I still feel like the Devils are a year away. So I think Canes have gone in this past month from the clear number two team of the East to the fifth. Um, that doesn't scream cup winner to me. I think my season expectation was you have to get to the Eastern Conference final uh, or everything else is you, you didn't meet the mark that year. Um, okay. I think, I think I'm done. <laughs> well, I felt good. I'm, we're running out of time here, so I'll make my, my points kind of quickly. And, and I totally hear where you're coming from, and I think you have a lot of valid points. My mentality on it is if you go in all in this year, what's your likelihood of winning? Probably very similar to what your current likelihood is. Sure. I don't one thing I will say, like in the O'Reilly trade, you know, I was listening to Dmitry Filipovich. The O'Reilly trade bumped Toronto's chances of winning the cup from like what eight and a half to 8.8. Like it, yeah. it's pretty nominal. So I do think we over exaggerate yeah. the trade deadline. So, yeah, sorry. I mean, it's going all in when Boston is having a historic season, when they have the guys that they have, when they add Orlov, when they add Hathaway, I mean, they have two elite goalies, both going right now. That's a, that's a tough team to beat even if you go out and make some insane additions. Toronto has gone all in in Dubas's final year. Yeah, save that you job. Add, <laughs> you add O'Reilly, you add Achari, you add McCabe, you add Lafferty. You're eventually going to be paying Austin Matthews $15 million a year, which is what he's asking for on his next contract. All these teams are going to have a much harder time competing in the future. Boston is on the older side. Toronto is going to have cat problems. New York Rangers have a lot of their younger guys. They're going to come around for new contracts. What are you going to do with Panarin? What are you going to do with Kane? What are you going to do with Tarasenko? The Islanders aren't competitive. New Jersey is trying to copy paste what Carolina does, right? I look at all these teams. Tampa Bay is older, still competitive. Washington's trying to retool on the fly. The most stable team out of all of them who has the most capital to do something in the future is Carolina. And for me, when the Canes went all in in 05, 06, that team was primed for a cup. You knew 
when you were watching that team that it was a special team. And I think we have a really good team right now, but I don't go all in on a really good team. Now, maybe next year, if negotiations don't go well with Ajo and you're thinking, oh, shit, this might this this narrative might change then maybe you go all in next year and make some of those big deadline or what the canes would probably likely do is earlier in the season then you make those moves but i think what they're doing is they're always giving their team an opportunity to win because i don't anybody can win i mean eight seeds of one the, like the blues in, in 2019 the kings when they were in eights etc cetera, etc cetera. it it you put your team in a position. They're going to have a ton of chemistry. They're going to have a ton of heart. They're going to have a ton of experience. They're going to be prepared. That's what we know about this team. You don't want to reach at straws too much. We're not a New York Rangers team that all these American guys and all these international players grew up knowing the Rangers. Nobody, nobody grew up 20 years ago knowing exactly. who I mean, the hurricanes were exactly. we're not it, we're not that team we're not going to get people who who are using their no trade clause to pick where they go and it's not going to be to the hurricanes very frequently like that's going to just yeah, not be know, a big Brent thing burns but how many before that yeah and he and he could have gone to multiple different places and at the end of the day the way i look at it is this team is good enough to win a cup like every other cup winner, you're going to need people to have out of their mind postseasons. It's just how it goes. That's how every team that win a cups wins a cup, either as a goalie that goes out of his mind, a guy that decides to be a 20 goal scorer in the playoffs, like, or a combination of those things. And they have all of those pieces. You have Anderson. That's a guy that at, a snap it, yep. could turn it on. You have a fetch that could all of a sudden be a 15, 16, 17 goal guy in the postseason. Aho hasn't tapped his full potential. I think Jarvis provides way more offense than he's currently giving, but he's young and he's developing. Turbo's underperforming this year. I think KK is growing. I think Natchez is scratching the surface of his potential. You have the hardest third line in the NHL to play against, and you have hungry veterans and young guys that want to win and as your fourth line and next in line i mean it's for me it's it's hard to to argue with the idea of do we need adding a Meyer would have been great a sure. power forward who can score who you can lock up for long term great would be awesome but those players aren't easy to acquire and the Canes tried to acquire him and sure. put in a pretty and great it offer. Sounds like they might've had a better offer. But. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you can't make the other team trade with you. They're going to pick what, what deal they think is the best. So if this team adds a goal score, I think they could win every series. I think they could lose in the first round. You never know, but, but that's the play. You know, you've kind of recentered me on you know, the correct perspective a little bit. Um, you know, I don't want to get too out in front and go, Hey, yeah, five years from now, there's, there's no team I would trust more to still be competitive than Carolina. That I think just the way the organization functions, that's true. Um, but th that's too much uncertainty that far in the future. Um, I digress. I, I just, you, you've recentered me. I, I, I agree uh, with everything that you said. Um, would we like to see something else? Of course. But when you really look at the kind of the math behind it, Carolina's chance of winning the cup in the past two weeks, probably gone from 10.7% to 
1%. Like it's, it's, it's nothing. And so um, just because I'm projecting past performances uh, on this current team because it feels like the status quo, I need to remember, and I'm sure I'm not the only one here, the sky isn't falling. We're, I'm being a prisoner of the moment. And the fact that this is still a really good team, team that um, is going to be a, probably one seed in the playoffs because for winning the Metro, um, and it's going to be a fun ride to follow. Um, yeah. And the depth, I think, is really the key piece here. Uh, any final thoughts? No, I mean, I, I think it was a good exercise. Of, yeah. And we still have exercise time. Exercise my demons. Yeah, and we still have time to see what happens um, by the trade deadline. And next week, we'll be able to chat. We didn't get to talk stadium series and other things. We can catch up on that after the trade deadline. Absolutely. There was just too much to talk too about. Too much going today. on. Uh, Mikey, enjoy Arizona, buddy. I will. Mullet Arena incoming. <laughs>